Hypogonadism is a condition in which the body doesn't produce enough testosterone, the hormone that plays a key role in masculine growth and development. This is GW Medical Associates Podcast. Let's talk with Dr. Michael Erwig, an endocrinologist and director of andrology at the GW Medical Faculty Associates. Dr. Erwig, what exactly is hypogonadism? So male hypogonadism refers to men who are, are not able to produce an adequate amount of testosterone or an adequate amount of sperm. And so what, what, why does this develop? What, what are some of the risk factors that we should know about? So in terms of not being able to make enough testosterone, it's a very complex area because testosterone levels fluctuate throughout the day in an adult man. So they bounce around similarly to how the wind might change throughout the day. It might be windier at some point and then less windy. So testosterone levels bounce up and down. And when they get below a certain level, men can start to experience symptoms. And a lot of the symptoms are nonspecific, things like fatigue and low energy and depression. But the more specific things of a low testosterone could be a low sexual desire or erectile dysfunction, uh, breast discomfort, uh, hot flushes, and things like that. So when you talk about the level of testosterone, um, is there a certain number that you look for? So if I were to go in and have a, a testosterone blood test, um, what numbers are you looking at? What would be normal for a middle-aged man? What would be that low level that would start to concern you that there, that this might be hypogonadism? There's a reference range for testosterone levels for adult men. And the challenge is that this reference range is constantly changing. So one year it's a certain set of numbers, the next year it could be a different set of numbers. And it turns out that due to the fluctuation of testosterone levels throughout the day, it's possible for a normal man who does not have hypogonadism to actually have a few testosterone levels that dip a little low throughout the day, but he doesn't actually have hypogonadism. So one of the key points in evaluating men for male hypogonadism is having the testosterone test done fasting and in the morning because in general, testosterone levels are higher in the morning and fasting, not always. And it's also important for men to always have that testosterone level confirmed on a second reading because a lot of times that second reading will come back normal and will rule out the hypogonadism. Uh, we certainly don't want to place men who don't have hypogonadism on lifelong testosterone replacement therapy due to potential risks and cost. So um, I know uh, it, it, when you when you um, have a, a blood test like this performed that there's often two results that come back. One would say something like total testosterone and then one says free testosterone. Can you help us understand the difference? Yeah, so this again is a very complex area because there's probably over 20 different testosterone measurements that doctors can order at the lab. So to break it down in an easy way, uh, most of testosterone is bound to a carrier protein. So it's bound to carrier proteins called albumin and sex hormone binding globulin. And then a small amount of testosterone is actually by itself or free. So when you do the free testosterone measurement, it just measures that testosterone that's not bound to the carrier protein. Whereas the 
whereas the total um, reflects all of the different portions of testosterone, the bound and the unbound. Now, having said that, some of the lab tests are more accurate than others. Some are, are not so reliable. So a lot of the free testosterone lab tests turn out not to be that accurate or reliable, so we do not advise using them. So there are ways to actually calculate a free testosterone based on certain lab numbers. So I, I generally recommend starting with a total testosterone done by a good assay, such as one by liquid chromatography mass spec, as a good starting point. And so that it's the total number that you're really looking at in combination with a patient's symptoms to decide whether we're dealing with true hypogonadism. Is that correct? Well, I'll often start with a total. If the total comes back low, then I'll want to confirm it. And on that confirmation test, I'll often do a total and something called bioavailable, which is similar to free, mm-hmm. and I'll get one of the carrier proteins. And that gives me more information because sometimes there's, there's a discrepancy between the total and the free. It's possible, for example, for an obese man to have a low total testosterone, but a normal free or bioavailable testosterone. So once once you've gone through this, um, you you've done the appropriate lab testing. You you've done the history, and there are symptoms uh, that that's that may indicate hypogonadism. At that point, when you make that diagnosis, what's next? How do we actually uh, I- improve the testosterone level? Yeah. So depending on how low the testosterone levels are and whether the man has symptoms, I'll sometimes offer men a treatment with testosterone therapy to see if it'll help them with their symptoms. And testosterone therapy comes in many different formulations. The one type that we don't have, which we have for most other medicines, is an oral uh, formulation or a pill. So we don't have a testosterone pill in the United States. So most of the testosterone exists um, in topical gels or patches that you can rub on your skin or apply to the skin or, or intramuscular or subcutaneous testosterone, which is testosterone that can be injected into the muscle or fat typically every one to two weeks. And then there are some less common uh, other ways to, to give testosterone, like a nasal spray or um, pellets that, that can be implanted under the skin, for example. Well, which, which out of all those different ways to administer it, like you mentioned, the gels, the patch, which, which ones do you prefer and which ones seem to be more effective? Most of this is actually dictated by the patient's health insurance plan. So the health insurance plans typically have preferred um, types of of testosterone formulations, and the copays are are very dependent on, you know, what status the testosterone is, whether it's a tier 1, 2, 3, or 4. So oftentimes that will drive the decision um, because one brand may, may have a copay of $30 a month, another may cost $200 a month. So a lot of times we have to see what the patient's insurance covers. I would say if finances are a challenge, um, the intramuscular testosterones are, are, are the best way to go because even if you don't have health insurance, these can cost only $20 a month. And they, they've been around a long time. They, these are generic medications. And, and they often are very effective as well because you get some high levels after the injections. So I have a lot of patients on the injectable testosterone. I have a lot of patients also on the gels and patches. The gels and patches retail, um, they can sometimes be up to $1,000 a 
a month, but when it's covered by the health insurance, a patient's copay is typically going to be closer to maybe forty to sixty dollars a month. Right. You'd mentioned that there's some, you know, long-term potential um, effects from testosterone therapy. Can you can you teach us a little bit about some of those risks that you will follow when you place a man on testosterone therapy? So we there's a there's a gap in our knowledge about the potential risks of testosterone therapy in men who are on this long term. So we don't have any studies looking at men who have been on testosterone for 10, 20, 30, 40 years through randomized controlled trials. So there's a lot that we don't know about testosterone, which is why men should only be be put on it if they have a clear diagnosis of male hypogonadism and the and the potential benefits outweigh the potential risks. In the short term, testosterone appears to be relatively safe. It can sometimes cause the red blood cell count to go high. Sometimes people can get a little bit of acne. Sometimes the blood pressure can can go up a little bit. Sometimes the um, prostate can can, can get a little enlarged. Uh, Those are the main um, signs and symptoms that, that we monitor for. We really don't know if testosterone therapy changes the risk for for any cardiac events, things like a heart attack or stroke or a blood clot. Um, it doesn't appear that it that it does that, but we don't have high quality data to make sure. Mm-hmm. So, Doctor Erwig, in summary, what would you like people to know about hypogonadism? So for men who have possible symptoms of low testosterone, which would be things like a lower libido or erectile dysfunction, or if they didn't go through puberty, for example, I suggest that they be evaluated by somebody with expertise in this area who can take a careful history, perform a physical examination, and order the correct blood test to assess whether a man actually has hypogonadism or not. Because a lot of the low libido and erectile dysfunction are symptoms that can be caused by other things as well. They can be side effects of different medications, for example. Um, So we just have to figure out where the symptoms are are, are coming from. Wow, great. Thank you so much. That was a wonderful summary and wonderful conversation. That's Dr. Michael Irwig, an endocrinologist and director of andrology at the GW Medical Faculty Associates. Thanks for checking out this episode of GW Medical Faculty Associates podcast. Please visit gwdocs.com to get connected with Dr. Erwig or another provider. If you found this podcast helpful, please share it on your social channels. Be sure to check the entire podcast library for topics of interest to you. And be sure to check back soon for the next podcast. I'm Dr. Mike Smith. Thanks for listening.